0: Well, hello, hello, you are listening to Above Average. I'm Lance Osborne, and I'm here with my compadre. Last week, last show, you were my amigo, today's compadre, Bobby Earhart. What's up, my man? I'm doing good, how are you? Life is good, life is good. I'm exhausted, I should say. You sound all chipper, you sound ready to go, you sound fired up. I just poured water all over my head. It works. It's the uh, glass of water challenge, 2015. (laughs) 2015. Yeah, wake up. (laughs) The wake up challenge. He did it for this episode of Above Average. Way to be. Way to be committed. No, Bobby is exhausted because he's run his butt off lately. What'd you do, man? Uh, it's called the Ragnar Relay, and it's a, a,
1: a series of races around the country. I guess they call them races. It's interesting to me, though, because there's a lot of people that do this, and I guess there's going to be one team that wins. But 99% of the team, well, I, yeah, 90% of the teams don't run it to win it. They run it for the experience. They run it to run against themselves. Anyway, I'm sure one team knew they were going to try to win it because they were that good. But my team, we ran this race. It's a 195-mile relay race or run from Chattanooga to Nashville. So it was grueling. It was intense. It was difficult. But, man, it was fun. It really was a a a once-in-a-lifetime experience to me. It was really cool.
0: That's awesome. How many miles did you run, and like over what time period? I know it was broken up into different legs and everything, but...
1: Well, I personally had a total of 17.3 miles or something like that. Um, But that was over three different legs with about six to seven hours of a break in between each leg. And all my teammates did something similar.
0: And just real quick, why don't you plug what you guys were running for, because you I'm sure you did it for, oh, you know, yeah. for the mental game and everything, but it, it would be cool for us to share with our listeners why.
1: Yeah, definitely. Oh, I'm glad you
0: said that. So I work with, everyone I ran with,
1: I work with in, in my department, and there is also a very kind lady who we work with, and her grandson, his name is Owen, he has a metabolic disorder called Lchad. chad and I'm not even going to try to sound intelligent on it. But from what I've learned, um, he, you know, this this little guy is two years old, really cute kid. And, and he has this thing called L-Chad. And he cannot process or break down fats and proteins is what I know. Is, is how I'm saying this. Um, I apologize if someone's listening that knows more. But um, he basically has to be fed every hour or his muscles start to like breakdown and and um i don't know how you'd say it uh, atrophy or whatever but yeah yeah uh it's a super major challenge on the parents um obviously super major challenge on him and his lifestyle and just feeding tubes and all kinds of just hospitalizations due to him not being uh not eating and it's just crazy stuff he's only two this little guy and he's uh So my team and my department decided to put a cause to this race or this, you know, this relay that we had set out to do. And so we, we named our team all in for Owen. Uh, And so it became a really cool thing. Like at our company, it started to kind of grow and and shape and morph into something bigger than us. And, uh, you know, when something like that happens, it's, it kind of just doubles your efforts to. And, and your intention to, to want to do something. So yeah, all in actually people can check it out at allinforowen.com.
0: It's interesting because even though I'm up in Kentucky and you're down in Nashville, uh, we, we have a lot of the same social network. So I was seeing those posts recently pop up in my feed. So I was, you know, I was hearing about this story. I was hearing about Owen, what he's going through, how he's on this special formula, how the poor guy can't eat or drink anything it's rough for this poor guy. So kudos yeah. to you guys for, um, uh, I'm sure a little bit of money was raised out of this, but almost more importantly, the exposure kind of telling this story.
1: Yeah, definitely. That was our, yeah, you know, we wanted to raise awareness for this disorder and, uh, you know, we've, we got to talk to the parents of, 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 Owen, um, and they're just awesome people and their hope really is to raise awareness to other parents that might be struggling and don't know that others are out there that are also struggling just try to connect all of them together and hopefully bring some awareness to it to the point where it uh, gets some research. You know, somebody really picks up the idea and says, let's figure out how to treat this and what it's caused by and things like that. So yeah, Yeah. man, it, it was cool. The run was cool. It was crazy grueling. It was fun. It was middle of the night in the rain running, uh, just crazy stuff. I could talk about it for a long time, but you know, Anyway, thanks for asking that. That was right cool.
0: on. Yeah, yeah. Definitely a good cause there, man. In my world, something really cool happened recently. And I interviewed a really special guest for the above average show. And I don't want to say who it is right now. I'll tell you what teaser. And I'll mention it at the end. And that no fair, that episode will actually, uh-huh, but see, you know, so it's actually <laughs> fair, but that episode will actually air next week. So the the episode that you're listening to right now listen to it, enjoy it, share it, all that fun stuff about a week from now the special guest episode. Uh, It was just me and him. Uh, He was doing something here in Owensboro, Kentucky, and I had the privilege of sitting down with him for a little bit. But it's stuff that's definitely relevant to parenting, raising kids. And uh, we definitely found some angles that are relevant to uh, raising a big family, raising a lot of kids. Awesome. I'll share who that is later on. I look forward to that. Hey, today, here's what we're talking about. Uh, Bobby and I, we haven't done a mailbag episode yet. And I, we figured it was about time. We so we have a bag in. of mail somewhere. I know. I'm, I'm using the term letter. You, didn't, you never told me about this bag. They put the letters physically in the mailbox, and then I take them out, put them in a bag. No, this does not exist. <laughs> we call it a mailbag. It's actually our inbox, which, by the way, if you would like to inbox us and email us, uh, you can do so at the above average Show at com, or you can figure out other ways to do that over at com. and you can send us letters. But thanks to everybody who's already emailed us, either just saying, hey, keep it up, we're enjoying it, or asking a question like tech stuff, or asking maybe some questions just kind of from our experience of raising big families. I mean, it's not like Bobby and I are parenting experts or anything like that. I am. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> the truth comes out.
1: All you had to do was wait ten seconds to like. He's not really gonna go on. He's not gonna go with that. And you're like,
0: no, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, we we've got experience with this, and we're willing to talk about it. We're willing to share the great things about it, the joys, but also the struggles. So anyway, I think maybe some of that transparency and some of this platform, the podcast, lets people say, okay, how's this gonna work? What are we doing? So here's the thing. We say above average is for big families because, right, it's all about big family life. That's what we do on all these episodes. So we got a letter in. We got an email in from Josh in Virginia. And funny enough, he doesn't have an above average family. What do you think about that, Bobby? I thought it was really cool. And I I need to tell Josh, uh, Josh, if you're listening, I do
1: still want to talk about soccer. I need to email you back about soccer. But that's a side note. Bobby,
0: we'll get back to you on that. I will. I really will. I promise. Yeah, but you like your soccer talk. So let's go ahead and jump in, and I will read you a part of Josh's email. I'll I'll kind of hit the highlights, and it starts off with, here's the big question. When did you decide to have a big family? Or did it just happen slash happening? Is it happening one kid at a time? And I will say it still is happening one kid at a time in the Osborne house. It's not like we're expecting number six yet, but we probably will be, I don't know, at some point in the future. Okay. So back to Josh's question. When did you decide to have a big family or did it just happen one kid at a time? Here's a little bit more background. And this is what makes it really interesting to me and to Bobby too. Josh goes on to say that in college, that's where he met his wife. He had a professor who had like a pancake dinner on Sunday nights and he would do this. They would, they would attend this pancake dinner on a regular basis. And this professor had seven kids. So Josh said, I really enjoyed the dynamic of his family, and it changed my view of big families from weird to, I get it, I feel the love, which is pretty neat. And so I'm kind of pulling out of Josh's email just again briefly. I think it's cool that that really helped shape his viewpoint on big families. And it makes me, it kind of challenges me to think, okay, who else is kind of looking at my family going, oh, that's a big family. What are they like? And even though I can't always control the moods of my children or anything like that, if somebody's watching, like, is I need to be aware that they may be thinking at some point, oh, do I want to have a big family further down the road? So do you think the other day when we were at Costco that the
1: people, the innocent bystanders were like, look at them? I want to have a big family because look at them. That's so great. So awesome. I
0: think you actually might see the population decrease in Williamson County in in future years after that endeavor. No. Okay. So back to Josh's email. So he said his view on big families went from weird to I get it. I feel the love. And then he goes on to say, my wife had a similar experience, although for her it wasn't as dramatic. She grew up in a family that had five kids herself. So anyway, he goes on to say that we've heard that people with big families don't choose to have big families, and it happens one child at a time, and they keep going. So that's an interesting point. So I can go on. Yeah. Why don't we talk about what we've got so far, though, Bobby? I think, that's, uh, I think that provides us a lot of fodder for you and I to discuss, to jump in on. When did you decide to have a big family, or did it just happen one kid at a time? And then what do you think, Bobby? Do you think that it happens more often than not with big families that they don't choose have a big family it just happens one kid at a time
1: yeah gosh that's such a good question and i think i i could relate to yes on both sides of that you know for me and and, and Catherine personally uh we we both grew up in and well I, grew, I was one of six and she was one of three so both above average families uh, according to the above average show so because it wasn't foreign to us to having you know having grown up with siblings and kind of moving around in a minivan or a larger vehicle and those sort of things. uh, Some of that shaped, I think, you know, pre-marriage, just decisions, pre-marriage adulthood of when that, when I get married, when I meet the right person, I will, you know, we're going to be open to children. And, but as far as quantifying it, you know, I I don't know. That's the thing is I kind of do think it does happen one at a time, but the openness on the front end has, has to be present for the one-at-a-time thing to kind of roll slowly as it does one at a time. Does that make any
0: sense? Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. And I, to a certain extent, that describes exactly where I was. Sarah grew yeah. up, she was one of three. Uh, my situation, I've, I've talked about this on the show before, I'm, I'm kind of one of two, I'm kind of one of four, but the age spread and marriages and all that stuff that happened with my parents, it, it kind of throws that off. So it didn't really feel like I had a big family growing up, more or less. So when we got married, we were going to be open to life. We wanted children. We were cool with that. Um, but I don't know. Sarah and I had said three, maybe four. Like there was certainly no hard and fast rule. And if something had happened, you know, medically or anything like that, where we couldn't have kids or we just needed to have one kid, that was fine too. But I think if you would have asked me one kid or two kids into it, hey, do you still, are. Do you want a big family? I would have said, no, nah, man, I, I think this whole three or four thing is going to work. Something happened, though, with me around the time that Luke was born. And Luke is our third. Uh, we had Katie Beth, then we had Mary, and we had Luke right on the hills of Mary. Uh, so he's, there's a 14-month gap between them. And I know this sounds crazy, but it was having that third kid uh, somewhere around, a little bit after the time that he was born, that I went from kind of scared out of my gourd, you know, what, is this? what is this like? what's happening right now. And I gradually became more and more confident in my my skills, my adaptation as a parent, as a father. I was tremendously proud of my wife, the way that she not only birthed the babies, but then nursed them and raised them. And it was just really fun to watch all that stuff. I think if you would have asked me at the beginning of our marriage, if I wanted five plus, because we've got five now, I would have said, man, that sounds insane because I didn't come from a big family. And the idea of being, of having kids in diapers for a long time, it just didn't sound like fun. But like I said, around that third kid, I started thinking, okay, this isn't bad. So I'm open to the next one. Then I'm open to the next one after that. But you do take it one kid at a time thinking just about your own sanity, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, same,
1: same for us. I mean, like I said, we, we approached marriage with an openness, um, to children and, you know, you and I don't talk a whole lot about our faith and, and about God on this show and, and that's okay. I mean, that, that's, fine, but that was a big part of our decision as well. Um, and, and it, it shaped the way that we, that we, uh, I guess approached life and such. So, that was a big piece, us being open, but it really was kind of one child at a time. like i I couldn't see past when we had Ava when Kat was pregnant with Ava, I couldn't see past Ava. And mm, even yeah, in those and yeah. even in her infant infant years and in her toddler years before we had Lucas, it was difficult. It, it was as hard as it can be, right? And then we had two, and two was as hard as it could be. <laughs> And then we had three, and three was as hard as it could be. And I felt like kids, you know, people that were having their sixth kid. Well, I should say retroactively, I can look back and say, you know what, one was as hard as four. So when a parent like like Josh from Virginia emails us and says, you know you know, just where were you, or is there difficulty?" I think we're going to get to this later in the show. You know, I I could say I can almost say that. Yeah. At every stage, it's as hard as it can be. It's very difficult, but it's also very, very rewarding. You know, the reward is how outweighs the the difficulty, obviously. So anyway, so that's, that's where the one at a time thing kind of comes from me.
0: Yeah. Uh, I mentioned that for me and probably for Sarah too, that somewhere around uh, the third kid, uh, I became a little bit more confident thinking that through a little bit more, I think was and what jogged my memory on this was Bobby, you talking about Ava. Part of it was that at that time, my oldest, Katie Beth, she was really becoming just super cute, super fun, and even a little bit independent at that point. She was beautiful to just watch. And I started to see a little light at the end of the tunnel. I was like, okay, if we can get this kid to about age three, you know, out of diapers, a little bit more independent, all that stuff, that's light at the end of the tunnel. It makes the hard times easier. And I could tell that at that point the second kid and the third kid they'd eventually get there too and then they did and now for the most part you know even though we are taking it one kid at a time because that's just the way that nature works i think our spirit is just it's the more the merrier and in our case the stress of adding the fifth kid was nowhere near the stress of welcoming the first kid which is kind of what you were saying yeah the the yeah. relativity aspect
1: absolutely yep Totally.
0: Okay. So let's finish with Josh's email. By the way, I did respond to Josh privately. There's some other details in there and I kind of poured my heart out and he poured his heart out and that kind of thing. It's not necessarily appropriate for, you know, broadcast. Uh, but so Josh is already, he's cool. Like we've emailed back and forth on some of this stuff, but I also did ask his permission to talk about this on, on the show, because I think there's so many elements here that a lot of people are struggling with, whether they're thinking of, Do I want a big family? Or if they're thinking, well, I've already got a big family, how much bigger do I need to how much bigger does it need to get? And it's probably helpful to hear some people kind of think this through. So Josh goes on to say in that email, and he kind of tells us some of the backstory. He and his wife, we've been married, he says, we've been married for four years and we just had our first, who's now four weeks old. We're starting to get a little disillusioned about having a big family. So here's the thing. They got married. They're thinking, oh, big families are beautiful. They're great. But now he's got his one month old. And he says, babies are tough.
1: Baby Baby crying baby.
0: (laughs) With a crying baby at 3 a.m., it's tough to think about doing this more. We know not to make a big life decision during stressful times. We know that things will get easier as the baby sleeps and she'll become more fun as her personality develops. So we're not calling off the big family. But we may get more how a big family isn't a decision, more a general desire that you make an actual decision with each kid. What has your experience been? So he kind of reframes this question that he said earlier, when did you decide to have a big family or did it just happen? He kind of reframes it in the light of, okay, well, here's where we're at. And I I told Josh, I call this the baby fog. When you're in the baby fog, that is your world. You're taking care of your wife or your husband. In some cases, you're taking care of this baby. You're just every now and then you're able to come up for air, but then you got to go back down and it's the diapers, it's the formula or the nursing, it's the sleep schedule, it's the childcare, it's all that stuff. And it's so hard to think longer term, you know, well, what do I want my big family to look like 20 years from now? It's it's almost impossible to do that mm-hmm. in that baby fog.
1: Yeah. Well, I think a lot, of the, a lot of the other things weigh into, you know, when you make the decision or what's your, he says, what has your experience been? When Kat and I had Ava, we knew we wanted more than one kid, you know, and, and while we were in the fog and dealing with baby boot camp with Ava, you're right. When you're in that fog, you don't think about the next kid. But once she came out of it, uh, I I even joke with my wife sometimes, and this is a joke, but she'll roll her eyes at me. I'll say, you know what? I love our babies, but you take care of them for the first year. And then I'll get to know them when they start to develop like a little personality. (laughs) They actually recognize that there's a dad on this side too, you know, because and you know, playfully the first six, eight, even nine months, 12 months, they need mom. I mean, it's they're just right there, right? Mom's feeding them. I mean, I guess it, different experiences, different people. But for us, that's how it was. I mean, mom's nursing, mom's changing. You know, things. You know, just I don't know. I I feel like as a father, I personally don't connect for around nine months, and that I've, I've talked to other dads who feel the same way. So I don't mind saying that out loud. But once they start to develop a personality and smile and things like that, that's when that fog starts to lift, and you're like, huh this is really cool. But then the other factors come into it. Well, how old do I want Ava to be older than her next sibling? Do I want them to be close? Do I want them to be in school together? And some of this stuff, you know, you can't play God. Like, do you have control over this? You really don't. You know, ultimately you could be trying as hard as you want. And there's people out there that probably are trying desperately to have a kid and they can't, you know, and they don't know why, you know, and so they may listen to the show and be like, I would love, I would love even just one more kid, you know, so, but let's just say, you know, for hypothetical reasons, for, for, you know, just for testing on this show, you can decide, well, those are things you think about, you know, do you want Ava to be two years older than Lucas, or three years older? I mean, I look, try to look into the future and think, I, I want them to have a closeness, I kind of want them to be in elementary school together, and maybe there's a gap before they go to high school together, but I kind of see other families having that experience. I even look far into the future and I look, I think what would it be like when they're all kind of adults and they kind of come home for Christmas? I think I've mentioned that on the show before Mm -hmm. having them all this close knit, you know, like they're not only your brother, your sister, but they're also your kind of your friend, especially with brothers. You know, I I see that a lot with Lucas and Noah right now, my two boys in the middle, you know, and even William and Noah Williams, a little, my little baby who's just now walking and him and Noah are starting to rough house. I yeah, love that stuff, that's you great. know? So if you're thinking that openness is coming back as the fog lifts, those are things you can think, you know, those are things that I think shaped me and Catherine's decision yeah. as to win, you know, and, and it was just one more. And then it was just one more,
0: you know, I, I'm sorry. I've rambled there, but no, that's fine. And it's actually, so let me read to you what I wrote to Josh cause I will share this point and it's probably a summation of what you just said. I wrote to him, I totally get that it can be tough to consider more kids at this moment. Just like I can't imagine having, say, eight kids instead of our current five right now. That's just really hard for me to fathom. But as your newborn becomes an infant, then a toddler and so forth and so on, you'll start to be able to come out of that baby fog and wonder, is now a good time to add another? And then that whole process may repeat itself a few years later. And then again and again. And at least that's the way it's worked out for us.
1: Yeah, that you totally summed that up. I mean that that's how it is. I mean, that's really how it was for us. So yes, we were open on the front end, but it really was a one at a time decision, and it still is. You know, right now William is fifteen months and we're open to another kid, but I don't know, not right now. Maybe soon. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like yeah. if 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 I was sitting here talking to Josh the Tower, that's kinda how I'd be with him, you know. So right.
0: hey Josh. So we had we had a little bit of this back and forth with Josh uh, on the email chain, and then he sends us this follow-up question. So I'm going to read this one. We were struck at how surprised, almost shocked we were at the difficulties of parenting, hence my email. Were we not prepared for this? We felt so much more prepared for marriage than the first few weeks of baby. Our guess was that we were as prepared as we could have been for marriage by watching friends get married and reading books and getting counseling from parents and pastors. Through that process, we thought that some of the details of what marriage and living with someone would look like, not that you can ever perfectly prepare for something without experiencing it. With babies, we were more like, sure, it's time. We never thought through the specifics of what it would be like, or read a book, or get advice on infants, only children. Yeah. Great, great questions. And no no easy answers.
1: You know, it makes me wonder, were you on the front end? You, you're, you know, he talks about friends being married, and you kind of get... Prepared for marriage through different different avenues, marriage prep, and your even your own parents and things like that. Um, uh, but also your friends. You know, maybe you had friends that got married five months before you did, or a couple months. You know, there's that wedding season that we all go through, where one is one of it's your wedding, and then there's like five in front and five behind, and it's yeah. all your close friends, and you either get invited to the wedding or you're in the wedding. You know, you're kind of your mid twenties, whatever. I wonder, it makes me think, as I think about his points, where was I uh, as far as kids in that realm? I know we had close friends, very close friends, that had two or even three kids by the time we got married. And so some of our, what's the word, our experience with being married, newlyweds with kids, kind of was shaped by their experience, because we were really close to them. So we got to hang out with them and you know, almost felt the whole, we weren't family, but it kind of felt like we were aunts and uncles to their kids, you know? Cool. Yeah. So I think that helped us prepare really, you know? So if you are on the front end of that, if you're the first couple that got married, or maybe you're not even the first couple that got married, but you're the first couple that has kids, then I'm right with Josh. I don't, you know, I don't know. You know, I don't, you, there's not a whole lot of prep. Uh, you, you, you know, that I don't know that anybody's ever fully ready for what, is about to come, the miracle that it is, and the how difficult it is. Um, I don't even know that I'm ready now, and I've got four. You know, <laughs> the next kid comes, and it's like, holy cow, here we go again. I forgot what this is like, and it's only been, you know, uh, I, I don't even think we're out of diapers. I don't, we've, I don't think we've ever been out of diapers, you know. But yeah, the the newness of a newborn is different and new and fresh and. Uh, unique every time
0: you know yeah and when you when you talk to somebody about parenting usually it's in the context of okay well here's what we're doing for school or here's what we're doing for ballet or here's where they're going to college maybe later on or here's a topic that's come up recently chastity or whatever it is right you you talk about those things but all that's older stuff now i'm sure you can find a million different resources on, okay, now here's a way to get your baby to sleep through the night or all those infant issues. But I think when you're talking to people, just kind of hand to hand, you're having conversations about older children. So I think that's one point that he made is it was only children in general, not infants specifically. And that is hard. That's the hardest time. That's why I call it the baby fog. I don't have an eight-year-old fog with raising Katie Beth, but it's it's the baby fog where you're just so honed in. And I think it's because the baby at that point is 100% relying on you and your spouse. Like every single thing that that baby needs comes from you guys. So you're pouring out so much into that. And especially if you haven't been married for a long time. Josh said that he and his wife had been married for four years about the time they had the baby. So that's cool that there was a foundation set. But I know like in our case, Sarah and I were married for three months before we got pregnant. And fortunately, we had known each other for a long time before getting married, but still it was interesting knowing each other as a married couple for only those three months before we realized, okay, now it's time to bring a baby and add a baby to the mix.
1: Yeah, we were the exact same, you you and I, in that regard. Catherine and I knew each other forever. I I can't tell you the countless conversations we had about having children, even before we were engaged, you know, just, hey, maybe someday if, you know, yeah. so I think a lot of those conversations helped us when we got to engagement and when we got to marriage, it was like, yeah, I think, you know, we're, we're ready for this. I, I had people in my life, honestly, and maybe I'm an anomaly, but I had people in my life say, Hey, you're not ready to get married till you're ready to have a kid. And that may sound crazy, but, and it did to me even at the time. But those types of, you know, uh, people that said those things to me kind of like, pushed me into that readiness mode, but I still wasn't ready for what was coming, you know? So I relate, I can relate on both sides to to that stuff. You You know, know? it's
0: interesting the way that he, he talked about how much more prepared they felt for marriage, but not as much for the parenting side. I think if you get married in the church anyway, whether it's Catholic or not denominational or whatever it is, it seems like there's always some kind of marriage prep that happens, right? You sit down with a pastor, they walk through, do you guys know each other? Are you both entering into this willingly and lovingly and all that and you focus on each other and knowing each other and your backgrounds and your family history and all that. And yeah, have you considered how
1: you guys hang your towels differently? Have you considered how you one of you rolls your toothpaste tube and the other one does not? I mean those are
0: things I needed to know. Where was that in marriage <laughs> prep? It was in there, you just weren't listening. You were thinking about Yeah. You were thinking about I'm going to have a huge family and that's what you were <laughs> right on. exactly but that's one thing that came up i remember our pastor the uh, priest who married us he did a, a really good job of preparing us all the way through and i remember kind of talking about kids and it was hey you're open to kids right you you know this is going to happen this is a natural result of you guys getting married yeah 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 but we didn't talk about parenting and we certainly didn't talk about parenting an infant or a newborn i'm not saying that that needs to be part of your marriage prep necessarily. But to Josh's point, there was the marriage prep that existed. And then there's not a relevant parenting prep that happens either through your church or whatever. Yeah. No, it's it's a good point. You know, it's just sink or swim. <laughs> <laughs> so hang in there, Josh. But it's interesting that he's a month into it going, whoa, this is crazier than I expected. It's crazier than I thought. So maybe... Speaking to our audience, Bobby, for the most part anyway, if you've already got your big family, if you've already got a bunch of kids, don't overlook the craziness of raising just one kid. If you know somebody, whether you go to church with them or you just see them, I don't know, walk through the park or you work with them, just remember back to how crazy it was when you had that newborn. You you didn't have the craziness of the busy house and running around and taking kids to soccer practice and all that kind of craziness, but it was craziness for the first time focusing on somebody other than yourself or yourself and your spouse, and they needed all of your attention. So don't forget what that was like, and maybe try to help those people out a little bit. And that goes back to Josh's initial point of when he saw above-average families When he was in college, he went from thinking, oh, this is weird, to, oh, this is cool. Can you be that family to somebody else who's just now having their first kid? A call to action. I love it. That's really good. Uh, Yeah,
1: yeah, I mean, I think we've even talked about something like that on on prior shows where to be that example, you know. Uh, And even though going through Costco, (laughs) using that example again was, sometimes it's going to be maddening. Sometimes it's not going to look that way. In fact, a lot of times it's not going to look that way. But more often than not, I, I, you know, when I really talk to somebody, uh, an onlooker or somebody that's just observing us, most of the time they're cheering you on. You know, they're just like they're smiling, they're laughing, they love the rambunctiousness because you know it reminds them of something, or they're just like, especially in church too. You know, they're always like, I, I love that you're that you're bringing your kids here because they're going to be learning these things, you know, or they're going to be having these experiences. They're going to be better human beings for it you know church or whatever just the character and things that are being shaped and built into these kids having to deal with you know big families and and siblings and such you know on that note uh, I don't know if I've ever brought this up but I have a a big another above average family that does this fun reward system for their kids and uh, I like it because the there's no you can't really quantify it it just has to happen and the kids can't even control it. So here's what it is. Uh, the dad says, if you guys ever earn a compliment by a stranger, I will take all of you out for ice cream. And so what he means is, if we're all in public, me and your mom and all you kids, and someone comes up to me and says, your kids are very well behaved, or they're very polite, or whatever they're just good i I love your family because of this or that if that ever happens which they can't control right sure yeah um then they they get to then the the dad would say you guys earned that as a you know you collectively did that together you're oh i'm taking you out for ice cream like right now you know and i think that's really cool like earn earn a compliment from a stranger you know Versus (laughs) Versus
0: <laughs> making the stranger be like, oh, my gosh, get me out
1: of here right now.
0: You know what I mean? Yeah, and it reinforces the teamwork aspect within the family. All kinds of camaraderie exists within something like that. That's right. cool. I like that. I
1: like that. I'm sure my, my Noah will learn how to fix that, though. He's going to be like, hey, man, here's a buck. In about five minutes, my family's going to pass by. I want you to come over and tell my dad, see, he's in the black shirt right over there. You tell my dad, we did a good, we did a good thing, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> that would be Noah. I like that. I like that. <laughs> it would be. Hey, uh, we can go ahead and wrap this one up. Josh, thank you for sending us this email, actually the thread of emails. We really appreciate hearing that. Uh, we do have some other letters and some other questions that, Bobby, you and I can talk about on the show sometime. There's been interesting stuff that we've gotten from our listeners, and uh, we do appreciate that. Again, if you'd like to email us, you can do so at Show at gmail.com. That's our email address. And I think that's about it. Oh, I know. Here's the reveal. Are you ready? Michael Jordan. I interviewed... See if Michael Jordan had a big family. Maybe he does. Next year on Above Average. There you go. We'll have to see. We'll have to see. No, the, the guest that will be on next week's show is a man named Jason Everett. Uh, he goes around speaking to thousands and thousands of youth and parents on the topic of chastity, why it's important, why it's needed, and how we as parents can instill these values in our kids. So that's what we talked about. And we talked about it from the big family angle as well. And it's just a wonderful conversation. It was a privilege to sit down with them and talk through all that stuff. And I'm so excited to share it with you guys. So that's coming up next week on the podcast. So again, thank you for listening and thank you for being above average. We'll see y'all next time. See you guys.